Hi, and welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and glad to catch up with you, even if I don't have a whole lot to add to this week's conversation. Well, we're running late again, as we have been lately. We promised to try to do a little bit better being on our schedule for the rest of the year, which thankfully for us is not that long. And we already have picked out our books for the rest of the year. So Mm -hmm. at the end of this episode, we'll tell you what we're going to be reading in December and hope that some of you will be able to read along with us. Yeah, absolutely. My list is pretty short this time as all I have is I have uh, continued the 12 volume Michael Burlingame biography of Abraham Lincoln. I'm on volume nine now, so up to 1862. So you're getting there. Yeah, it's it's been uh, a very thorough, insightful job. He uh, talks about the time and the the people well, and and I learned some things, which I've read several dozen Lincoln books, so that's not uh, always the case. But uh, it, if you want to <laughs> chronicle Lincoln in exhaustive detail, that uh, Michael Burlingame might be your guy. Okay, awesome. So you want me to go ahead? Well, that's pretty much it for me. So. All right, sounds good. So the first thing that I finished over the past several weeks is This Must Be the Place by Jamie Nato, and I'm really not sure if I'm even saying that last name right. It's spelled N-A-T-O. Um, this was a book that I didn't know a ton about, but I had heard some people recommend it. It came out recently, and so I found a copy and read it. And basically, the premise behind this book It's a faith-based book, and the idea is that um, the place that you are in, and it doesn't necessarily mean the physical place, but just like the emotional, mental, spiritual place that you are in Mm -hmm. is forming you for things beyond what you can see. And so the idea that things are hard or that you can't see the whole picture, that you don't know what's going to happen next is not a big deal because you can trust that right here, right now is forming you for the future. She's a funny writer. Um, I did feel like the book was maybe a little bit disjointed. It did. It was all linked together by that central idea, but there were just such wildly disparate stories in it, mostly based on her own personal experience. It was still entertaining, and there were still several chapters that really, really resonated with me. So it was a very short book that was definitely worth a read. Sure. Then I read Bright Lights, Big Christmas by Mary Kay Andrews because it's Christmas, y'all, and it's time to be reading some Christmas books if you're going <laughs> to do it. Um, I read some in July, and then I just saw this one at the library and thought, well, I'm going to give that a shot. It's your typical Hallmark movie kind of scenario. This time, the tree farmer coming to the big city of New York is a girl, and she uh, finds love there. I I love a New York story. I love a Christmas story. It was just a fun, light, diverting kind of read. Mm -hmm. Then I read The Hundred Loves of Juliet by Evelyn Skye. I really liked the premise behind this one. Lots of Shakespearean references in it because the main characters are Romeo and Juliet. And the premise of the book was that Romeo and Juliet did not actually end the way Shakespeare ended it. He got the ending of the play wrong. And um, the two of them have survived in various forms throughout the centuries. And it looks at the idea of love and how it endures and what we are willing to do for love and how it shows up in a million different ways, even if we're not always aware of it. I really thought the premise was cool. I liked the two characters. There was, I felt, some unnecessary drama. And um, just, again, the the trope where one character has been alive for centuries um, 
kind of like the Twilight series with the vampires. There are just some things that you have to do that suspend disbelief to write a story like that. But then if you're going to believe that Shakespeare got the end of Romeo and Juliet wrong, you're suspending disbelief <laughs> anyway. So I actually really thoroughly enjoyed the book. Then I read The Good Part by Sophie Cousins. I think I've talked about her before on here because I've read several of her books. This one um, started out with a 20-something-year-old girl who was working a dead-end job, living in a terrible flat with um, roommates who really were just the worst, and a ceiling that leaked, and a best friend who lived in the flat who was about to move out, and it seemed like everyone that she knows is moving on to good jobs, growing up into real lives, and here she is still stuck. Sure. And she makes a wish that she could just skip to the good part of her life. The part where she is already married and has her kids and her career and everything has come together for her. But little does she know. And she does. But what she discovers, of course, you know, is that every part is the good part. And um, again, it's another book that I really liked the premise of. I like the idea of going back and examining your life and seeing what are the good things in every part, especially the hard parts. Um, But sometimes that is something you have to do in retrospect. You don't always see it at the time. Oh, sure. I read, reread Bread and Wine by Shauna Nequist, and I've talked about it enough times, I'm not going back through it again, <laughs> except to say that if you have never read anything by Shauna Nequist, please, for goodness sake, do it, and then tell me about it, because <laughs> she's just so wonderful. I don't think that it is exaggerating to say that her writing has changed my life in a lot of ways, and there are some ways in which I want to, when my writing life grows up, I want it to be like hers. It's good to have people like that. I read Chick and Mate by Allie Hazelwood. I've definitely talked about her on here before. She wrote The Love Hypothesis and Love on the Brain. There are a lot of different things that she's written. All of her books um, up until this one have really dealt with a super smart female main character trying to make it in the world of uh, college-level academia and um, going head-to-head with whatever white male stereotypes are in the way of helping women succeed in the world of science academia. This one took a little twist because this was a young adult novel. And from the title, you kind of get an idea. In this one, we're looking at um, chess wizards, like just their absolute chess geniuses. But the main female character is a recent high school graduate whose family is really struggling She is really the sole breadwinner for her family right now. Her mom has a chronic illness, and she has two little sisters, and her father has passed away. She used to play a lot of chess and used to be really good at it, but she has given that up, shut the door on it entirely for personal reasons and because she's got to make money. But chess comes back into her life in a major way in the beginning of the book, and that's where she meets Nolan Sawyer, who is the reigning world champion, and things go from there. What I really, really liked about this book was following the main character as she rediscovered her passion for something that she had just purely loved. Because I think it's really easy, especially in that young adult age, to be so focused on what comes next that you forget to do things for fun. Mm -hmm. So anyway, and then I read the last thing is A Court of Thrones and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. I think is how you say her name. I don't really know. Um, listen, I have heard roughly, I don't know, everyone I know who's read this book except you (laughs) and this whole series and has loved it. Um, Brie McCoy, who I follow on Instagram, made a whole playlist of songs to accompany this series. 
like everybody's talking about it everywhere and that generally well quite often makes me go well I don't care then and I picked it up um I reserved it on Libby after somebody else said how much they loved it and I was like well why not so I just reserved it and it took months for the thing to come in Mm -hmm. and it finally just came in over at the end of last week no early like right at the start of Thanksgiving break yeah and I read that thing in two days. I think it was just so fascinating. Now, to be fair, fantasy is not my main genre. I always say that, even though the books that I enjoy increasingly are proving that wrong. I love fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, this one had a lot of um, just really action-adventure aspects uh, that usually keep me on the edge of my seat. But in this one, there were several times when I had to remind myself that uh, Farrah was not going to die because she was the first person point of view character in the story. So she was going to make it through whatever crazy travails were thrown her way. The love story was really kind of cool, too, although I have questions about it. And I need somebody else who's read this story (laughs) to come and talk to me. So if you've read this, anything in this series... um, Send me an email or a message on Instagram and, and we need to chat about this book. But I already have the second one and I'm yep. ready to read again. So, all right. So that is what I have been reading. And now that brings us to our shared read, which is The Cost of These Dreams, Sports Stories and Other Serious Business by Wright Thompson. I've had this book sitting on my shelf for probably months because a long time ago when we were discussing what we could read together for this podcast, you said, well, you should read this. This is a great book. And I said, and I put it on the shelf and didn't touch it. And then a couple of weeks ago, we were discussing what we could read for this podcast. And I picked everything lately. And so I said, well, I'll read this. And I was not very hopeful, to be really honest. But this book surpassed all of my expectations. I should, I should trust you more when you tell me to read a book. Because this book is a collection of essays, a it's about sports, but it's about so much more than sports. And his writing, whew. Well, I mean, for me, the story of this book goes back farther than this because I've read it a while back. Uh, I think I did talk about it on here many, many moons ago. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. But it was one that I gotten from the library. And I was in uh, Off Square Books in Oxford, Mississippi, just down the road uh, from Wright Thompson's home. Yeah. Um, and saw a copy of it. And it made enough of an impression on me that having read it, I thought, I think it's worth a reread at some point. So I bought a copy of it, and yeah, then it has since been with you. But uh, Wright is different than most journalists. He he uh, he goes different places. He, he's not afraid to dive in deep on a subject, and he thinks about sports the way that journalists, I think, think about you know, world leaders or, or about major political issues. It's not about a ball game. It's it's not about a score. It's not about facts. It's about personalities and the tension of the human life. And the many, many stories he tells here ultimately all come back to the same theme, which is the cost of greatness. Uh, you, you don't have to be an athlete for that to resonate, but for athletes... I think it resonates in a special way. Uh, I mean, one one way that comes up, obviously, for me, during the pandemic, there was the big ESPN documentary series about Michael Jordan. And I watched it and was reminded, one, of how amazing Michael Jordan's dominance of basketball was. But two, 
and probably not in this order, what a complete lunatic Michael Jordan is. <laughs> well, the Michael Jordan essay was the first one in this book. And I read it, and I was kind of like, I think his writing is brilliant. I love his writing style. But I did not enjoy this essay. And you said, well, just keep going. Yeah. And I did, and it just, uh, yeah, I I think I liked every other essay in the book better than the Michael Jordan one. Yeah, he Because he, he came off just so crazy. Yeah. And, and, I mean, there are competitive people, and then there are lunatics. And Well, but his, in, this, in the essay, his lunacy came off more as a result of his own overgrown, spoiled child mentality more than anything necessarily that sports had done to him. Yeah, but sports is the setting for it, and having climbed that mountain, it feels like he's incapable of descending from it to live any kind of normal life. I don't know. I think that's the other thing that came across to me in some of the, the Tiger Woods essay in this book, too. Um, there was one about a guy who'd been a wrestler or a boxer or something. I cannot remember it incredibly well, except that he was trying to adjust to life without it. And the thing for me, as I read these, it, it didn't, like you said, these, this could apply to anybody. Anybody mm. who goes toward greatness pays a cost for it. And it didn't really seem to me that the sports were to blame for this as just the cost of the fame that was associated with it. He wrote about some people in this book who were not exceptionally famous. Mm -hmm. And even though they, too, had paid a price for their dreams, they seemed to have more balanced lives. Oh, sure. So it really, it seems to be more the fame than the sports. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And, and yeah, you could write this book about legendary trial lawyers or, or mm -hmm. legendary bank executives or, you know. Authors. Yeah, yeah. And anybody can get obsessed uh, with with glory, with reputation, with status. Uh, but, but Thompson does a good job across a wide variety of stories. And, yeah, it is one of those books where, like, when I, when I picked it up the first time, I remember I was kind of trying to cherry pick the stories I knew or was familiar with. Often the ones I was completely unfamiliar with ended up being some of the more interesting ones Oh, yeah, to me. absolutely. Some of those were the best ones. And I think one of my favorite was probably the longest one in the book, which was about uh, Hurricane Katrina, really. Yeah. And then a sports writer within that and a coach within that. Like, there were a lot of things involved in that one. Mm -hmm. But the absolute best one in the entire book <laughs> was the last one, in which he writes about his own father and sports and his career. Um, oh, it just it'll break you into pieces. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, he can do it. I read where he said that um, his mom rereads that one every year. Mm. Oh, it's just so good. So, in fact, you liked his writing well enough that you have tracked down his subsequent second book, which is not our shared read for this next time, but will but, be the second the shared read for the next two. Well, let's take next it. Time. Let's take it one at a time then. <laughs> so that was um, Wright Thompson's "The Cost of These Dreams." Yeah. It is wonderful. I think if you are a sports person, you should read it. Really, and if you're not a sports person, it's still you're going to know a lot of the people and events in this book. Oh, there was the essay about Ole Miss and the integration. Yeah, yeah, oh, gosh, and that was how I first became aware of his uh, his writing, his, yeah. his work on on the story about Ole Miss, which is personal James to Manning. him. He has family members mm -hmm. all around that. Yeah, so. so 
this this book was truly great, whether you are a sports person or not. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a shift next time. Mm-hmm. In two weeks, we're going to go to one of your favorite writers and yeah. automatic author read for you. And then this book, I'm half finished with it, and it has been fascinating. Uh, and in some ways, it's not that much of a, of a topic departure. It's Michael Lewis, uh, Going Infinite, The Rise and Fall of a New Tycoon, uh, Sam... Bankman-Fried, the crypto genius, wizard, savant, lunatic, whatever you want to call him, uh, his rise and fall, and perhaps as well as anything to tell the story, I will read the back of the book, which is a tweet from a guy I don't know named John Ehrlichman, which says, and I quote, by Saturday, investors who spoke with SBF, that's Sam Bankman-Fried, Thursday could no longer get a response. Maybe he ditched his phone, one source wondered. Michael Lewis has been flying around with him recently, they added. Maybe we'll have to wait for his book to get the full story. (laughs) And I haven't officially started this book, but while we were driving around on one of our Thanksgiving adventures, I read you two chapters of it where you are in the middle of it. Yeah. And I thought it was fascinating. So I'm going to start at the beginning and go all the way through, and we'll be talking to you about that in two weeks. Then, after that, to finish out our year, we're going to go back to Wright Thompson, like you were mentioning, Mm -hmm. and we're going to read Pappy Land, a story of family, fine bourbon, and the things that last. Y'all, I am a little over halfway done with this book right now, because like you said, Joe, I finished The Cost of These Dreams and then found out he'd written another thing, and I just Mm -hmm. really needed to read it because his writing style is so good. I like this one even better. There's um, a lot of Kentucky it's, here. Oh, it's all Kentucky, yeah. really, because it's bourbon. Yeah. And then, but it's also about more than bourbon. It's about what it means to be a family man, what it means to find your own spot in the world, how to be a father, how to have a father. Oh, my gosh, it's so good so far. And I cannot wait for you to read it, too. So that's going to take us really through <laughs> the end of December. And then we're going to do our annual favorites of the year roundup for you. And yep. then, oh, my gosh, it's going to be 2024. Yeah. You'll read another 150 books, and I'll have long lengths of time where I go, what did I do during that time? (laughs) I don't think I'm going to make 150. 148, (laughs) and it'll be a sad day. (laughs) No, you do great. And uh, I've read a lot of good stuff, and I'm reading a lot of good stuff now. This is just one of those time periods where I have about four books that I've made big strides in, and none of them I've finished. Been there, done that. So. Yep, I'm just trying to enjoy them all, and... uh, and that's all that's important, really, that you enjoy oh, yeah. what you yeah. read. Not the number that you read, but that you enjoy what you read. Uh, Lewis is one of those guys who could write the phone book, and this is a lot more interesting than the phone book. You I, been I actually write about, about crypto a fair amount in one of my journalism gigs, and the thing about it is I don't understand it terribly well. So I was interested in it from that standpoint. And halfway through this book, the one time where he tries to really address what crypto is, he basically waves a white flag at defeat and says, I'm not going to tell you what it is because who knows what it is. But uh, that said, I've still been totally fascinated. Yeah, it was the two chapters I read were really interesting. Well, a lot of his stuff focuses on the same thing, which is um, gaps in human thinking, things that where, where people misperceive strengths or weaknesses uh, you know it's that kind of stuff and right. whether it's baseball or or crypto it's interesting that's for next time so in yep. the meantime if you have any comments on what we've read and talked about this week or what we've got up for the rest of the year or if you have any suggestions on things that we should read in the coming year please let us know we would absolutely love to hear from you absolutely you can get in touch with us by email at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com 
You can find us on Instagram at Paperback Readers Pod or on X at Paperback Readers Pod. So thanks very much. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving and uh, hope you're thankful for lots of good books and that you're working on one right now. Until next time, take care and keep reading.